Well, hey guys, welcome back to another Bible study as we look at Romans. Today's passage that we're going to be studying is Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. Uh, it's what my Easter message is, was built around, and uh, so I'm super excited to study this. It's actually one of my favorite passages in, this, in the Bible. Um, I, I heard another pastor teach on this many years ago, and it just became one of the foundations of my faith. So when we were looking at doing the book of Romans, it was this passage of scripture that I put on Easter, and I based our entire timeline off of it because I wanted this message about Jesus to be the one that the most people hear, which is typically what happens. Easter Sunday, we have the most attendance, most people watching online. So this really is a passage of scripture that should be very familiar with every Christian because of the foundational element of it. And so, like I, I often do, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of the context of the verses because Paul wrote this as one document, and Paul really wrote this, it feels like a legal document in that it's an argument that keeps building. And so in the verses prior to this, Paul is really explaining how every single one of us left to our own devices is unrighteous. We don't serve God. We don't seek after God. God was the one in grace who came after us. God's the one who wants to redeem us. God's the one who provided the way. But in order for us to fully understand that, we have to understand this truth, that we really are evil. And that's so hard for us. I acknowledge that in the Easter message. That's so hard for us because we fall into the comparison trap. We look at someone else and what we typically do is we find someone in our minds and hearts that's worse than us. And then we compare ourselves to them. So we feel pretty good about ourselves. Paul's not using this as a comparison trap. Paul's not saying we're evil in comparison to him. We're evil in comparison to the apostles. We're evil in comparison to each other. Paul's saying we're evil in comparison to the standard that God has set. God has said, this is how you need to live and this is how you need to operate in your life. And all of us fall short of that. Because of the sin in our lives, sin really does destroy everything. And so every single person who's broken by sin is on a pathway of darkness. And Paul's explained that clearly already in Romans, that when people choose to reject God, God takes his hands off of them, and the pathway always leads deeper into darkness and always to destruction. And, and so Paul's explaining that. So in verse 20, we're looking at verses 21 today, but in verse 20 he says, For by the works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. What Paul is simply saying is no one will ever be able to meet the physical standard of the law. The law, the, the main purpose of the law was to point us toward a direction. But what it does most effectively in our lives is it exposes our sin. It shows us our shortcomings so that we know that we need a savior. OK, so that's the foundation. Then in verse 21, in one of the most powerful verses in the entire Bible, Paul says this statement, and I, I would love for everyone just to memorize this one statement. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. But now, so like this, that phrase, but now. I, I picture like in my own mind, like I'm not being funny when I say this. Literally every time I read this, in my own mind, I picture an announcer like at a boxing match, but now, like with a dramatic voice, for the first time in human history, I mean, if that's how it hits me, this moment where he's saying everything that we've ever understood about being in a relationship with God and the standard that we have to meet, he goes, but now for the first time, that standard is different. And he says, but now the righteousness of God, so our ability to be in a right standing with God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. He, what he's saying is this is the first time in human history after the fall, 
that we'll be able to be in a right relationship with God, not based on meeting some standard, some type of criteria. But he says, I want you to know this was always the plan of God. And this is important to understand. Salvation by grace through faith is not God's plan B. God didn't try the law and then go, okay, that's obviously not working. It was always his intention. Uh, even in the book of Jeremiah, one of the most popular uh, passages, prophetic passages, that talks about this new covenant that would happen uh, sometime in the future when, when Jeremiah was written. The new covenant, this relationship with God, not based on what we do right or wrong, but based on faith, this is what he's talking about. The, the law, the prophets, it's always was pointing toward this. The law was given so that we would understand our need for a Savior, but all the prophetic words that God ever spoke through the Word and through men, all of it was pointing toward the Redeemer who would be Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. So he says, for the first time, this is available. And then verse 22, we're going to go through this one uh, verse by verse today. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, I apologize, I'm, I'm bad at this. Uh, so I, there's verse 21 for those that are watching. Here's verse 22 now on the screens. Let me read it again. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinct, uh, distinctions. When we look at this idea, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, the only way for God to look at you or me and to say we're in a right relationship is that we have to trust his son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because this is the only way that our sins are forgiven. So in the Easter message, I did a, a visual where I explained this. But each one of us, we store up in our lives sin. Uh, it, it is a byproduct of being broken by sin, born into a sin nature, is that we consistently sin in our lives. That sin is a part of our lives until something fixes that problem. There's no other way to fix it there, that we can do. There, there's no amount of good works we can do because that's what's expected. Well, even when we resolve the sin that we commit against someone else, so that person forgives us, that's fine. That relationship can be reconciled, but it doesn't fix the sin that we committed against God. So when we disobey God, it doesn't matter what we do here on earth. We still need to try to reconcile that. The only method, and I cannot stress this enough, the only method that God has given us is to take advantage of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We're going to look at that in a moment, that he was our propitiation. He resolved. He satisfied the standard of our sin. But what, what Paul is declaring, empowered and inspired by the Holy Spirit, is the way that we receive that is through faith in Jesus Christ so that we can have that grace and that forgiveness in our lives. And I love how he words it. He says there's no distinction. This is true for everyone. Uh, so one way to think about that is there's no prerequisite. That there's no something that we have to qualify for in order to then qualify for grace. So it doesn't matter if you were raised in a Christian home. It doesn't matter if you've gone to church your entire life. It doesn't matter if you know the Bible. It doesn't matter if you can explain to someone else that what it means to be saved or explain the gospel message. There's no prerequisite. There's no distinction. All that is required is a person to go, I'm broken by sin. I need a Savior. And I, in fact, believe that Jesus Christ is that Savior. So then he goes to verse 23. And this is why we're all unified. This is the common denominator. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is what unites us all. No one, except for, for Jesus, no one falls outside of this verse. Every single one of us has sinned. 
It took one sin for us to be separated from God. It took one sin for us to be condemned to die. It took one sin for us to be separated from God for all eternity. It took one sin that required us to have the wrath of God poured out on us. Only one sin. And none of us stopped at one. We're really good at sinning. And so in our lives, we sin, we sin, we sin. It unites every single person. So the same reason why there's no distinction, there's no prerequisite, what unites all of us is all of us have sinned. So every single person who has ever lived was at one point on a pathway toward destruction. But then he goes on and says the flip side, verse 24, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You're saved not by works, but as a gift. If you deserved to have grace, that would be wages. That would be a paycheck. So if you did something and you think, you know what? I, I'm so good. I'm so generous. I'm so loving. I earned God's grace. That'd be God giving you a paycheck. But here's what we don't want. We don't want a paycheck because the paycheck that we deserve, according to a later passage in Romans, is the wages of sin is death. If we went to God and said, God, give me what I deserve, God would give us death. God would give us destruction. But instead, he gives us a gift, something we don't deserve. And the gift for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ is the gift of salvation. It's the grace that covers our sins, the grace that puts us in a right relationship with God. So how did that happen? The next verse, verse 25. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the former sins. So this verse uses a, a word that is not common in the English language, propitiation. But this gift that God offers is the gift of justification, that, that we can be saved, put back in a right relationship with God. But when we look at this concept, as Jesus went to the cross and he died for our sins, so this is a, a mental image that I heard a, an author and pastor say years ago, and it just was a, a, a vivid thing that stuck in my mind. So if you can physically picture Jesus on the cross, as he's on the cross dying for the sins, so all of the sins of humanity that we've ever committed, so all past, present, future sins in that moment, was placed upon Jesus. He took the place well, for what we deserved. So our, our sin demanded wrath, it demanded separation from God, it demanded shame, it demanded death, uh, eternal destruction, I mean, it demanded all those things, okay? So all the requirements was placed on Jesus. So as he's on the cross dying, uh, you need to kind of mentally picture this. So he's actually elevated on the cross. So at his feet, picture humanity, a, a man standing there, or a woman standing there looking. Picture yourself at his feet. The work of the cross downward to humanity was redemption. It was justification. It was us being saved. But the work of Jesus upward to God the Father was propitiation. And what that means is, another way to say it is satisf uh, satisfies or satisfaction. Uh, satisfi I'm sorry, my mind right now just glitched on me. But it satisfies. God demanded the payment for sin, and what Jesus was doing on the cross satisfies that requirement. So God looked down at us and said, that sin has to be punished. That sin deserves death. That sin deserves shame and the wrath of God. 
as Jesus took all of that upon his body, he took our beatings that we deserve, the punishment that we deserve, he took the death that we deserve to die, he, he felt the shame that we should have had. When God the Father turned his eyes away from him and Jesus felt that separation, that's what we deserved. So as Jesus took our place, it satisfied the requirement of God. And that is what Jesus was, was propitiation on our behalf. He settled the, the, the demands of it. So it'd be like this. Um, and the same pastor that gave that image told of another story that there was a small town that, that set up a speed trap. And so when people would, would be going down the freeway and they would cross over this town, they would oftentimes you know, break the speed limit. When they got pulled over, they immediately from that place took them to the courthouse. And they, they literally had a courthouse that was open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it's how this town funded basically the, their town. And so this girl, teenage girl, was driving, speeding. She got pulled over, taken directly to the courthouse, goes before the judge, and the judge makes his ruling. And the ruling that he has is that there's going to be a fine. And you had an option. And the option was either you could pay a fine of like $100 or you could do so many hours or like a day in jail. So the person could decide what they wanted. And so the judge then takes the gavel, hits it, makes his sentence. This is the requirement of it. In this story, then, the judge immediately took off his robe and set it on his seat, and he came down, took out his own wallet, took out the cash, and paid the cost. You know why? Because the teenage girl that was standing before the court was his daughter. So in that moment, the judge was just, but he also wanted to step down and take the place and be the person that justifies that person. In that moment, what he was doing was satisfying the requirements of the law. He was satisfying the requirements of what this girl owed. So in that moment, once he paid the price, she was free to go. Everything was satisfied. There would not be a warrant issued for her. Everything was settled. And this is the last part of the verse, that what God wanted to do. In verse uh, 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That he wanted to be just, and the just was to the sinner. You are a sinner. I'm saying your behavior is sinful. I'm telling you what is going to be required of it. There's going to be wrath poured out. There's going to be separation. There's going to be death. That's being just. God wanted to be just. He wanted the world to know the standard. But just as much as he wanted to be just, he wanted to be the justifier. Both of those are motivated by love. He wanted humanity to know the standard so that we would strive toward it because it still is a better way to live. But he also wanted to be the justifier. He loved them enough to the person who has faith. So the justice aimed at the sinner, justification aimed at the person with faith, both motivated by love. And so God, on his seat as judge, condemned us to die but then he came down and took our place. He became man in the person of Jesus. He went to the cross and he died for our sins so that he could be the propitiation, that he could resolve the debt that we owed. And this is why this passage is so important. We're never gonna be justified by what we do right or wrong. We're gonna be justified by trusting in him and what he did because it was enough to cover our sins and to satisfy the just requirements of God the Father. I pray this was a blessing to you. And again, as I always say, I hope to see you on Sunday as we continue in our study in Romans. God bless.